Welcome to the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast, stories of unsinkable resilience and resolving stigma. I'm your host, Michaela, and each week we explore stories with young people in our communities. You'll leave with a refreshing take on storytelling that will encourage you to venture deeper into and perhaps share your own story. Thank you so much for listening. That's a step in and of itself and enjoy this week's episode. So unsinkable resolve. We're bringing this together. Super excited about it. Um, I would love to know from your perspective, kind of in terms of this partnership and us working together, why you think this podcast is something that's needed right now. Um, and in particular from us and from me as a host. So I think that when it comes to student mental health, one of the challenges is, is that part of the experience of people struggling is related to the time of life that they're in. So if many people are either at the end of high school or at the beginning of university, they're starting to have to make their own decisions for the first time in their lives. So up until now, it hasn't been, they've had free choices. Maybe they've chosen, you know, what sports they want to play or what instruments they want to learn or, you know, here and there, there's some choices. Maybe they get to choose their school, but for the most part, they didn't choose what world they were born into. They didn't choose the friends that they encountered in the spaces that they were, the school they went to or the, or the teams they were a part of. Your, your life up until around 16, 17, 18, almost there's a script and it is what it is. It's just what it is. And so at the age of either the end of high school, the beginning of university, there is an opportunity for many people to start to assert greater levels of independence and to choose a path. That doesn't mean, again, that there aren't influences, be it social, cultural, parental, that are important and that help shape a person. But I think that narrative, what's so powerful about narrative is that it represents somebody actually verbalizing their life, their life and where they want it to go. And it involves ownership and taking responsibility for what can be and what, what can be done and what can be accomplished. And so I think that storytelling and mental health are super important. And more important than that, it's a time of self-identity and making decisions that will help guide you for the rest of your life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in career and all sorts of things. And so I think storytelling is very fruitful at this age. And that's where I think we need to start letting people tell their mental health stories and just tell their story, period, of identity formation, because it will crystallize and clarify who that person is, where they want to be and where they want to go. It's such a crucial part of their lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, storytelling just, it plugs such a hole too, and that struggle to have language for things. And I think you really only find that, whether it's about mental health or, or just your journey in general, like you said, like it allows that space for kind of fumbling through like how you want to talk about these things and what language you're going to gather. Um, and that can really only happen in open, honest conversations. So very, very, very excited to bring this to everybody. So yeah, amazing. And kind of 
along those lines and language and storytelling, there's a really fascinating um, concept that Hemingway is credited for, although I don't actually know who (laughs) first came up with it, but um, the whole idea of like a six word story and being able to kind of tell your story in this like concise little snippet that you can carry with you everywhere. Um, Kind of like a wallet photo uh, is kind of how I think of it. Or, you know, for a listener or reader to be able to take with them too as a, as a message and something to relate to. So I'm curious if you thinking about your story, um, mental health and otherwise, if you could tell it in six words and what those six words would be. This is me thinking. (laughs) Can it be seven words? Sure, we can be flexible. (laughs) Okay. You need meaning and you need to matter. Mm. Mm. That's good. Those are the seven words I have. Tell you more. So mental health to me is not just about, okay, how do I deal with my intrusive thoughts? How do I improve my emotion regulation? How do I build good habits? How do I become better with my executive function? It's not just a skills and tools based thing, even though that's very important. What makes mental health mental health, which believe it or not, wasn't invented by mental health practitioners and researchers in the last 150 years is what is my life and who am I? Why am I? What am I? Those questions need to be addressed and thought about on a very deep level as well as a very practical level. And for myself, I found a lot of meeting in the culture that I happened to grow up in, in the world that I happened to be living in, the society that I was living in, the schools, etc. But I was looking for something more, uh, something that transcends a particular place in a particular time, uh, the human questions. Um, and I think that for many people today, there is a dread about on, maybe it's under the surface bubbling for for many people, which is what what is this all about? Okay, so what if I have if I if I have good mental health from the book, or or so what if I have a good job? What does any of that mean? What stories am I a part of? Um, and for myself, I think like uh, I think like a Jew. I think like a Jewish person because uh, I am, and um, I we think in stories. And so many people uh, think about the Ten Commandments. We can talk about that. And why am I bringing up the Ten Commandments in the story about mental health and and storytelling? Well, values are important. And um, the Ten Commandments starts with the phrase, I am Hashem or I am God who took you out of Egypt. So this idea of finding transcendence and finding meaning, God chooses to reveal himself to the world through a story. 
the story about the relieving of suffering and finding purpose. And so for myself, until I put myself in narratives and in stories, and I can tell you what narratives and stories I'm a part of, meaning doesn't make sense. We're not individuals. We are not, we, meaning making is almost, almost impossible fully from an individual human level. We are part of greater structures of meaning that transcend ourselves. Sometimes those are just as simple as another relationship. That is a sense of transcendence. But sometimes it's stories that that go back eons and ages. And for myself, finding, improving, deepening my understanding of mental health was through choosing to be part of stories. So the first story is who, and this is, and I've asked people this, I talk about this in my mental health practice what's your family story? Do you know where you come from? Who were your great-grandparents? Do you know? Do you know where they were born? What was their story? Because they are you. Who am I? The question, who am I, cannot be asked. Who am I as an individual? You are not an individual. You are from a dignity perspective. We're all created in, as we say, the image of God, or we all have you know, an inherent sense of worth and dignity. We're all valuable. We're all infinitely valuable and infinitely unique in every which way. And there's no one that will ever be like us and has ever been, a, been us. And that's very meaningful. But as that individual, my genes are made up of all the people that came before me from forever. People and also mineral, who knows, but everything, I'm not a scientist, but everything is in me. Um, and so who are first levels of meaning? Who are you? In your, from a genetic level, who are the people that, that come from you? That's a story. That's a meaningful story. Um, and I just start asking myself all sorts of questions about relationships. Who, who am I from a relationship standpoint? Who are my siblings? Who are my friends? What are they? How can I connect with them? How can I make life better for them? How can they like make life better for me? Um, and then just getting deeper and deeper into stories as I'm a part of. For me, uh, spirituality and religion is a major part of that. Um, because being part of a story that is 3,500 years or longer, 4,000 years, being a part of a chain of transmission of values, being a part of a people, I'm a part of a people, a people that transcends time and space and place and is found all over the world and have a story to tell and have kept that story alive for forever uh, and being a torchbearer. We kind of look at myself, I kind of look at myself as being born. Um, at this particular time with, with the weight of the past, all of my ancestors, my values, my tradition before me and looking forward, I can be a part of the transmission way into the future. I am not about myself. My, and, and to me, that's just meaningful to know that I might make an impact that will transcend my time and my era um, is very meaningful. And so that's, then I started learning about, well, because I have that opportunity and that privilege, what am I good at? and asking people around me how do you see me what do you see me at what do you see my strengths are and what do you what do you see my strengths as and getting feedback from the world around me people helping me along the way to find how i can contribute and then being part of these bigger stories these are some of the things that i think about and i hope it it's applicable i know that it's a lot to 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 say but i just wanted to be honest about how i found a sense of meaning and i think the more stories you're a part of that are big and transcend yourself that you get to participate in, the more rich your life is in context. Like I think about some of the deeds that I get to do. Like for example, I have kids. I, I feel that to be a major blessing. Um, my rabbi before I got married said, you wanna change the world, that's amazing. Um, 
start organizations. I'm involved in mental health. I'm involved in Jewish education. I'm involved in mental health education for people of faith across denominations. Um, but also from my seed, like I've seen photos we have, and I'll stop my rant in a second. I, I've seen family portraits of people um, who it's two great grandparents and there's like 400 people, 300 people. And then you multiply, if you start to multiply what two people can create, uh, it can get into hundreds of thousands of, of lives. Um, but we say in Judaism that your offspring are not just your kids. Some people want to have kids and it's an amazing blessing, tremendous responsibility, deeply meaningful. Um, but also your ideas are offspring. Um, what you've written, how you've contributed to culture is part of your offspring. Um, the wisdom you shared, the ideas. So these are some things that, uh, I think about. Amazing. Oh, literally every time I talk with you, I think <laughs> I learn something new or I'm just like ugh, mentally enlightened in some way. So that was beautiful. And I, I love that concept of like connectivity and there's uh, a really, really great book. It's called Smoke Hole um, by Martin Shaw. And he talks about like this idea of having a prayer mat and then also having a smoke hole above you and being connected to everything that's above and everything that you stand on that came before you and how important that continuity is in your life, your relationships, your pain, your struggles, like everything. Um, and one kind of theme, I guess, that kind of came up or was getting me thinking while you're talking is this notion of time and being connected through time and thinking about how we've changed and experienced our own stories differently, depending on what, you know, decade maybe we're referencing or even a couple of years within that. And so I'm curious how you would share your story or think about your story in the past, present and future. Um, like thinking about, I don't know, maybe your teenage childhood self, how would they tell your story um, versus the present and the future? Yeah, I, I just see it as one thing. Uh, if we get really good at, and hopefully we're going to create infrastructure for this, where, um, for example, I do interviews with people. Um, it's called Living Memories in the Post-Retirement Age. And they reflect on their story thus far that got them to here and how they want to live going forward. And I started to experiment with people at younger ages um, where I envision people having interviews once a year in a very intentional way about their life, how they're doing, where they're at, how they see the world, big questions, big, big questions, and have a living memory of someone's inner, inner world. Um, and so if I were to, and, and this is sort of an inverse on social media, that social media people rec recording, capture their walks, their capture, you know, what they ate for breakfast yesterday and all sorts of things that really signal that they want their life to matter and mean something more than the moment uh, that they're living in. And I kind of want to inverse that and make it a bit more personal. And so there's, if I were to interview myself when I was 11, and that's why I love whenever I have an old journal or something like that, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to do journaling because they say do journaling. Um, there's something very powerful about stopping in a moment in time to capture, collect, and digest your life. Uh, and if I were to do that, and I've done that to an extent by reading things that I've written at a young age, 
it's I see myself now through that lens. And so I, I, I don't know if it answers the question directly other than I, I do think that aside from what we are doing in a, at a given moment, there's a, a, a personality. And I know that parts of our behaviors can change and um, how we interact with the world can definitely change, but our essence or our spirit or our soul or our consciousness, there's just a part of us that I think is ageless. Um, and therefore when I'm five and I'm, I knew that when I was, my counselor at camp is telling me when I'm 12 years old, that I'm asking him about the stars and, you know, life and deep questions that that makes sense now that I was doing that then. Um, my confusion about what life is on such a deep level at such a young age, feeling a little out of body, maybe a little bit dissociated. Like, what is this? What are we doing? What is this? You know, I, I remember like, I don't know, being at like a, maybe a Maple Leaf game or something. And I don't even know why this comes to mind, but watching the people, um, set up the event and thinking, how did this event come to be? Like what? How many people ran this event? How many people have their job here? How did this come to be? I don't even know why I'm saying this other than there's an intention behind this structure of this hockey team and this Air Canada Center and it works and it and it's intentional and it has meaning. Um, and where, wh who am I and wh where do I fit into all of that? And I just, I don't know. I always just thought about deep questions and wanting to make sense of of reality. And, um, and so I would have seen, I, I would tell my story, maybe different language, different words, different, uh, external ideas, but I think the inner sense of self would understand now who, who I am. Yeah. Oh, that's a really powerful way of thinking about it. Cause yeah, our language changes and obviously we gain more experience and sense of responsibility and all of those things as we get older. Um, but yeah, no, that's really, really powerful that that kind of core of who we are is, is consistent all the way through, even and that's why we should, sorry, and that's why we should take people that are really young, like seriously, we should when they talk about mm -hmm. who they are and how they see the world, whether they're five or six or seven or eight, when they tell their story, that's meaningful, that's really important that matters even at such a young age. Um, mm -hmm. There's a meta story that they're telling maybe that if you listen carefully, you can see. And so I think we shouldn't just let it be happenstance. Maybe there's in intentional ways to engage in storytelling throughout life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think young people are often discredited because they either don't have the language or confidence or, you know, whatever it might be to, to explain something as an adult would. And we can't hold them to that standard in terms of, you know, those pieces, but they have a story to tell, absolutely. And I think we can all be better about listening um, because they tell it in different ways. Sometimes it's not with words too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, amazing. Um, time is so interesting though, that just, yeah because it's such a made up, uh, <laughs> a made up construct that we uh, kind of live by. And it's very fascinating. Um, kind of actually, this is a good segue um, into like, yeah, reflecting on youth and, and making sure that they are empowered to share their stories. Um, 
if your closest supporter, um, whether that's a friend, family member, your own mental health care provider, colleague, were to speak about you and sharing your story um, and the work that you've done, what do you think that they would say or how would they celebrate you? Well, very similarly, I think that to way that the way that I'd be describing myself, and I don't mean that in a, uh, I mean that in, a, in in the sense that I care so much. I don't like this idea that maybe people say like I care so much about. I don't care what people think. Um, mm. I I don't think that that's a good way to live life at all. I think that we need to live according to our values, and so if we live according to our values, and then we have criticism. We can still be hurt, feel that, but like, but say, I'm not going to let that m- dictate how I live. If somebody doesn't like that I'm doing something, but I know I'm checking in and I know this is the right thing to do, then I understand like, I'm not going to let that affect how I actually live. But I think it's really dangerous to not care what other people think, um, especially people that you trust, because that's, there's, that's such an immediate feedback that's so valuable. And so this is a, kind of a long way of me saying that because I've spent so much time around other people, letting them tell me what they think about me, um, seriously, uh, in a, in sometimes good and sometimes bad, some, and we're strong. Some of my best conversations are people calling me out on things, not best. I don't know if best is the right word, but I, I remember criticism from 12 years ago that a friend of mine said, my friend of mine said to me, this same friend actually said two things to me which is interesting. One was, you're not really good at anything. So there's many ways to look at that. And for most people, for myself, that really was about like, not that I'm not good at anything. This person saw me do things. There, there's not one thing. There's not, I haven't found my thing. I haven't found my thing. So, and I, I interpreted at the time as like, not like I'm bad and I understand that that can be really hard for people, but like, he's right. Like uh, there's something missing here. I haven't found my thing. Um, that same friend who I value and cherish um, and I, and we've talked about all of this stuff and whatever, and uh, it's its own meaning making um, also said to me later that you don't listen very well. Mm-hmm. And now my career, so this is an opportunity for me to speak. Usually I'm interviewing people. I'm always interviewing people, always talking to people, always asking questions and always listening. So I took that feedback very seriously. But that same person, that person that said, you know, you're not really good at anything, um, probably contributed to my personality more than most of my friends because we had many conversations over a long period of time. They, they, said, I see you as this, as we got older, I see you as this, I see you as this is part of your great, whatever. And so uh, a long way of saying that they would say to me, yeah, I think you're in the right path for yourself. You're in the path of helping people make sense of the, the world and reduce suffering. And, um, and you're doing it both for your own community and the Jewish community and the broader community. Um, and I do see my job as kind of the same thing. I see a secular a psychotherapist as, as partly being a rabbi um, 
because the definition of a rabbi that I most resonate with was said by a rabbi Soloveitchik, um, that it's basically to attend to the people's suffering. So I think people would say that that's what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm trying my best to, to do that. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> um, I also just really love that you expanded that definition of what celebration of somebody means and that it, it shouldn't always be praise. Um, sometimes it's a really meaningful challenge. Um, and I think that is so important and such a complicated thing for all of us to hold as human beings, this idea that like compassion, well-intended behaviors and things coexist with accountability. Um, and you know, whether, you know, what your friend said was you felt it was true or not, I think sometimes those kinds of things are are helpful to hear and they're never an attack um or at least let's hope not um attack on who we are as as people um it's more so a i believe in you and going to hold you accountable because i believe in you and who you are as a person um i think that's so important to bring all of that together that compassion accountability kind of being in the same space and actually talking about it and unpacking all of that being something to celebrate about somebody um, if they are willing to do that. So I, all of that to say, <laughs> really appreciate your response. And well, let me ask you, what's, what's the golden rule? Do we know? Do you, what, what do people say is the golden rule? I have heard so many different things. I, I don't know. I mean, do, do you know, like the most famous, the, the golden rule that most people say is love your neighbor. That's what the gold that we say. That's the golden rule. Okay. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Love your neighbor. So the context, at least in, in, in the biblical sense, the Western biblical sense is to love your neighbor like yourself. But right before that, in the, in, in the actual text, right before that, it says that don't hate your friend in your heart, rather provide rebuke provide feedback, provide honesty. Why? Because it says first, don't, don't hate your brother in your heart. Don't hate your friend in your heart. Rather provide feedback and rebuke so that you don't come to take revenge and bear a grudge, aka you don't become resentful. Mm-hmm. And lastly, it says to love your neighbor. Part of love, that's a, that's a sequence. Part of real love is the ability to communicate a womb. We say in, in Judaism, the word for compassion is rachamim, which comes from the word rechem, which is a womb. And yeah. one of the rabbis, Rabbi Foreman, says, what is a womb? A womb is a place to help somebody grow um, and give them their skills and their strengths. They have to, a child or a fetus is growing in the womb. But what is it also? It's protection. It's protection. And sometimes protection is stay away from that thing. Keep away mm-hmm. from that thing. Compassion is the integration in in an uncon- in a supportive way where the the root is that this person loves you. But why 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 do we need to just tell people that only quote unquote good things about them? Mm-hmm. There's a way to share in a way that can really empower people to be better, which is a real form of love as well. So that yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. So well said. That's yeah, so true. And I think 
applies so broadly too, outside of just one-on-one relationships, friendships, partners, like just how we hold communities accountable and political leaders and, you know, everything else. Um, And there's that famous like James Baldwin quote, I think that's, uh, and I'm going to totally mess it up, but something along the lines of, I, I love America. And for that reason, I need the permission to continuously um, hold her accountable. And that, I mean, obviously in context is so powerful, but um, yeah, like that concept of what love being this very, you know, all encompassing deep thing is, uh, is really, really, really meaningful and powerful. So I think it's important for students because um, and this is a bigger a bigger topic uh, about how are we strong? Are we anti-fragile? Do, like this, you know, we can we can we can have relationships that are honest and and straightforward, and we can be told that we're not perfect and. Not everything, and and, and and unfortunately, I think from a mental health standpoint, we use words like trauma a lot, um, not to minimize people going through real PTSD trauma. There's, a, there's it's it's a whole world, um, but sometimes we overuse that word, um, or maybe we've changed the meaning. That's a different discussion. Uh, mm-hmm. But but students, you're strong. You're very strong. That doesn't mean you can't be vulnerable and and need to be held and 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 connected with with supportive people a hundred percent a million percent, um, but but you're very strong. Yeah, and I think that's a beautiful like full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning with listening to youth and respecting their stories and how they tell them because I think a part of all of this is that you know the adults that they lean on can also be wrong um, and make mistakes. And I think there's, there's so much room there too for that listening element of a young person's side of the story and then not assuming that like authoritative role and saying, no, I have to be right because I'm older and have more experience because that's not always true. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's an understanding in, in how youth tell their their story and their experience um, that I think we have to be better about listening to, to be willing to see where our faults are because they can reflect it as much as another adult can. And hopefully the, the older people will listen too to the stories. Um, and I think there's that trade-off, that balance between knowing that the older is not, doesn't necessarily mean right but they can be right. And we, we have a lot to yeah. learn from them too. And I think that's a, a balance. Um, and to keep trying if, if people are struggling. So we're going to have a, a Michaela's going to utilize all of her talents and skills to help st- students tell their story and not just a story, but a story that has, uh, that, that can m- move life into a better direction, hopefully extracting words of hope and and clarity and meaning making and so that's why it's so incredible that we're going to be doing that but it's not fixed it's it's and sometimes we need to tell our story more than once and if there's people that you're having a hard time expressing your story too you can keep trying you don't have to give up after one time um yeah but so maybe we'll we'll kind of end it off michaela with you just saying 
you know, why you wanted to be the the bridge between Resolve, which is a mental health platform, and 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 Unsinkable, which is also a mental health platform, but a mental health platform through empowering stories. Yeah. I think for me, I've always believed that storytelling is this bridge between a lot of things that are either left unsaid or excluded, whether that's in research or community platforms. Um, Like I think people's stories, especially young people right now who are really kind of at the crux of the mental health crisis globally, um, their stories are really the center of, of all of this. And I think with my like research experience, writing experience and everything that I've been through personally to get to today, um, I've come to believe that and believe in the power of helping people find language and not necessarily comfort, but like an ability to walk into that conversation um, of trying to piece together what it is that you want to share and not even necessarily the story that, you know, you want to have practiced and, you know, be ready to regurgitate at any given moment, but really raw and real, what is it? And what's what's coming up? What have you lived? What do you hope to live? What are you living in the present? Um, and I think just kind of fumbling through that is uh, is really, really important and powerful. And to have somebody who's kind of in between a young person and an adult and very much fumbling her own way through life <laughs> and her story, um, I'm hoping will be a, a comforting, um, approachable thing. So, yeah. We're so thankful to have you do it. And, um, and yeah, so everybody tune in. We're going to hear a lot of stories um, that hopefully can be clarifying, enlightening, comforting, meaningful empowering all at the same time. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think we touched on that last, uh, the very last question I had about what, you know, you're most excited about for this, this Mm -hmm. podcast, but if there's any kind of final things that you'd like to add or say, um, I'll leave it open for a couple minutes. Yeah. I'm just most excited about the intentionality. I, I think that part of the mental health crisis is, is that, our, our society is moving at such a rapid pace and there's, I think there's a crisis of meaning. I, I just, I think it's too fast. And so people need to slow down and uh, root themselves in things that are not just 2023 because it's, it's this, this, this slow down, let's slow it down. Um, let's be more human. And there's nothing more human than telling a story. Um, so let, let's do that. amazing we can just drop the mic on that one that was perfect (laughs) thank you for listening to this week's episode of the braving the waves and bridging the gap podcast you can find much more information about this week's storyteller resources and related links in the show notes if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe share leave a review and follow us on socials and lastly don't ever forget that you are unsinkable Just being here, listening, helps you swim and keep your boat afloat. Thanks, everyone.